Welcome to This is the Bad Place, a podcast about the NBC TV show The Good Place and the journey of two ex-evangelicals leaving white evangelicalism. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This is the Bad Place, a Good Place recap podcast with us, you know, two people that maybe identify a little too much with characters from the show The Good Place. Yeah, today is called Chidi's Choice. It's episode 10 of season one. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, this is DL's episode. What, yo, really? Yeah, That's I mean, you, you know, just because you... You thought right. I'll tell you right now. You, you were starting to look panicked, <laughs> right. but you thought right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I was no, just like... No, but you this explained is... to me in front of my face <laughs> the, why the, this is my This is episode. how you have... This is how you've lived. You have lived a lot of your life like Chidi. Uh-huh. Sadly. Which means I'm a ball of fun. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just a really chill hang. I mean, yeah. I uh, I was going to say I relate to Eleanor when she says, you're a buzzkill, but I don't want to leave you. Oh. But... <laughs> But actually, you're not. You guys don't understand. I feel like most of the world does not understand that DL is really fun to be married to, has an amazing sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And we switch back and forth between talking about really intense things and mm-hmm. then laughing about things. Yes. And then sometimes crying, both of us. Yeah. That's yes. sort of a summary of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fun, but mentally ill. I agree. I agree. And we'll we'll get into some of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just jumping on, straight in later on in this this episode. Okay, so uh, before we jump into episode ten, Judy's choice, uh, I just want to say I'm so glad we picked this show to recap. Mm. There's so much going on in the world. It's this show holds up seven years later. I'm enjoying myself. Hopefully, the listeners are too. Um, and what we only have three more episodes after this, mm-hmm, and then season the one, season. and then season mm-hmm. one's over. Okay, so hang in there, hang tight, and listeners, don't forget to send us your questions, concerns, comments because we love those. Yes. Okay, so now we need to do a synopsis. So we're gonna uh, listen to Mark Evan Jackson take it away. I'm Mark Evan Jackson. I play Sean. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 10, Chidi's Choice. To recap, both Eleanor and Tahani declare their love for Chidi and then spend the day together trying to avoid the cliches of rivalry in a love triangle. Michael tries to help Chidi make a romantic decision while they are preparing Eleanor's defense for Sean. Meanwhile, Jason and Janet decide to get married. Okay, that was a pretty good summary. Uh Yeah. There's a little bit more back and forth on the love triangle thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of flashbacks of Chidi. Right, yeah, like having to pick teams in school and like taking up the whole recess because he can't choose. Yeah, Chidi as a child was adorable. Mm-hmm. Right. Or going out to dinner with his friend mm-hmm. and mulling over the ethical implications of various soups. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Highly relatable stuff. So, yeah, I think that is a pretty good summary. I th- Okay, maybe we should just jump right ahead to watch slash rewatch. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you first watched this episode because I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit and say, on the rewatch, with the title being Chidi's Choice, I was sort of hoping for like a bigger ethical dilemma besides just soulmate mm-hmm. shit. I was a little disappointed because I had forgotten this. No, no it's just about the soulmate thing. So, uh-huh. anywho. Yeah. So, 
I'll start with what I remember first, mm-hmm. which was trying to figure out this whole system. And yeah, that question, one of the things that comes up is like, okay, are because Jason and Eleanor are both fakes, right? Are they supposed to be soulmates? I mean, and this just resonated a lot with me as a child and teenager. I was always trying to figure out who my soulmate was. Yeah, you were. Um, and so, and, and, so yeah, my brain was like working that way. Like, yeah, how, you know, how do they fit together? We, you know, in past episodes, Tahani and Chidi have had some sort of chemistry that, you know, makes you think like, oh, they could get together. Mm-hmm. But on the rewatch, what I realized is basically the episode starts off saying, this is the time to figure out how we're going to present Eleanor's case to Sean, the mm-hmm. judge, right? Mm-hmm. How do we, how are we going to keep Eleanor here? And then the whole episode is about love triangles yeah. and nothing about actually helping Eleanor not go to the bad place. Yeah. So to me, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, there's not a real ethical mm-hmm. question here with the soulmate thing, because I don't think there is. I OK, so when I first <laughs> watched it, I think obviously you do get caught up in all the love triangleness, and you're just trying to keep up because mm-hmm. it keeps changing. Right. Because Eleanor is like, I'm in love with you, Chidi. And then actually, I think I just love you like a friend. You know, I'm like, whoa. And then she's like, I actually love Jason. And then For she's a hot like, minute. Yes. And then Jason's like, I'm getting married to Janet. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not yeah. in love with Jason. So first watch around, by far the biggest takeaway of this episode for me was, did Jason just marry a robot. A robot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously without watching the rest of the show, you're just like, that seems odd. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Jason and Janet become like one of the best parts of the show. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the rewatch, I'm just right. like, yay, they got together. I love them. Favorite couple, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is so weird. Yeah, I think the other thing about the rewatch, I did not pick up on all the buy vibes from Eleanor the first That's time so around. True, there's so much. So, like, I, okay, you explain it first. Well, I mean, you know, all all along, Eleanor is complimenting Tahani, but also Kristen Bell's Eleanor uh-huh. uh, is talking to real Eleanor, and uh, real Eleanor is like, you know do you want to make any confessions of love? And Eleanor's like, are you coming on to me? Yeah. I would make out with someone with my same name. That's sort yeah. of a narcissistic mm-hmm. fantasy. So stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm not like the best judge of chemistry and I, I totally understand that. <laughs> but to me, the weird thing about this episode is I don't think anybody has chemistry. Like, I don't think, Except Eleanor. that last scene with J- Janet and Jason. No, I, I don't think they have chemistry either. I don't. The only people who have chemistry are Kristen Bell and Jamila Jamil. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I don't sense it in any of the other relationships, except when those two are are together. There's mm-hmm. definitely by things happening between them too. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I noticed on the rewatch. Yeah. As well, um, I know some other things in the rewatch, but I think I'm going to save them for the ethical part of okay. the show. Great. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of favorite things yes. to be said about this episode. I know. I feel like we should have like a competition where it, we... Pick the same parts? Yeah, pick the same parts. We lose points. <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Okay, that's then we too, have to take turns. That's, that's too intricate. Okay. okay, so you have to start with your favorite one i guess okay well i'm gonna start at the top of my list okay Okay, no actually i'm gonna start with my favorite one okay my favorite one 
was when Eleanor confesses her love to Chidi. Mm-hmm. And she says, even though you're such a buzzkill, somehow I never want to leave you. And it feels so much like Pride and Prejudice. Interesting. You know, in that, like, even though you're, like, I find you, oh. you know... What's that famous line? Oh, yeah. So, like, Eleanor is insulting him. Right. Exactly. she's declaring it. So, it's a very Mr. Darcy. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which Despite I, the difference in our circumstances. Yes. Or something like that. Exactly. Despite there should be no reason for me to love you, I love you. Yeah. Um, and it made me think about being a teenager and writing confessions of love like that in my journal to okay. girls I had crushes on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it just took me down a little memory lane. Well, that's funny because my <laughs> number one favorite thing is also a declaration of love. And mm-hmm. that is Jason's vows. And I'm going to read them to you right now. Okay. Janet, my digital queen. Janet, we can dare to dream. <laughs> Send nude pics of your heart to me. Jacksonville Jaguars rule. <laughs> Those so were his great. vows. Yes. And that was my favorite. And then, favorite. then he says, uh, can I kiss you or am I going to get electrocuted? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your next favorite thing? Um, my next favorite thing was um, when Tahani is sad, she watches her favorite BBC show called Deidre and Margaret. Oh, man, this is on my list. <laughs> and it ran on BBC. Uh, for 16 years and had nearly 30 episodes, okay. which you, was a good joke. It's such a good joke. And like it was, it's about this like high class woman and this low class woman, and the low class woman just keeps on saying "in it" in over it? and over. Like it's the pet. I don't know. Like it's the bread, isn't it? Um, uh-huh. It's pretty good. Yes, pretty pretty good. Okay, so that was my fa- that was one of my favorite parts too because to me it seemed like such a. Sl- <laughs> Such a like slam on British sitcoms that are always mm-hmm. making fun of like poor working class white people mm-hmm. and like the upper crust, you know, and right. why Tahani likes it so much. Plus the joke about how British shows just only do so few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, this is a slam dunk. Right. Like, yeah. The whole, the whole thing is a slam dunk. And if we look at just that whole section, they're having sort of like girl time. Uh-huh. And so Eleanor is helping Tahani put in extensions and she says, like, oh, I had to learn how to look older when I was young because I had to get a job early, which yeah. I just thought was interesting. It's very was, poignant and very sad. Yeah, right. Like, I That's really, what... that was on my favorite things list, not in a funny way, but like, it just really highlights. And then you see that in the same section when they're watching this. British TV show that's making fun of class differences. Yeah. Which I just thought was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was also on my list. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, okay. wrote, I wrote down Eleanor tragic backstory through hair extensions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really interesting way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What uh, else is on your list? Okay. Well, I really like the name Bomba John. And that's his, the actor's real name. <laughs> so great. So I love that. I also love Ugly Nick's Meat Trench mm. as the name of the restaurant where Jason gets jalapeno poppers from Janet, which makes him propose to Janet. My favorite thing was the sentence before, which is that stupid Nick's closed down because a pelican <laughs> fell in the deep fryer. <laughs> oh my gosh. So many Florida things. So many Florida things. Okay, so... We got to move on, unless you have something else. Yes. <clears throat> I also like that 
Tahani's confession of love, which mm-hmm. Eleanor points out is not actually a confession of oh. love. She says, I'm just a girl towering in front of a boy asking him to admit he loves me, <laughs> which is just so Tahani. And then Eleanor points that out. Right, like, yeah. Technically, I confess my love to Chidi and you demanded he confess his love for you. Yes. But, you know. So great. Oh. Just so many little things that are just, you know. Okay, wait, one more thing. Okay. Uh, starts off the episode... And Ellen uh, and Tahani's asking Jason, like, who are you? Yeah. And he just immediately starts listing off his favorite Fast and the Furious movies in order, order of, of preference. Of preference, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was one of my fun facts is that neither you nor I have ever watched a Fast and Furious movie. Oh, you didn't know me in middle school. <gasps> I don't, I've not watched one since I've known you. When did the first one come I out? I am shook. Is our relationship over? Crispin. You didn't know this about me? No. I got to find out when the first one came out. How many 2001. I was 13. No, you no. weren't. No, you weren't. Okay, you're right. I was 14 years old. Can't hold that against me. Okay. I don't know if that's really true. I think. Yes, I was. How many have you watched? One. Oh, just the first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that doesn't count then. <laughs> That's I what I like, said. I feel like if you don't go on to watch others in the franchise, it mm-hmm. doesn't count. And I always got that and Gone in 60 Seconds confused because we watched both of those, you know, Who's around we? the same time. Who's Me and we? my middle school friends. Okay. Yeah. Wow. N- Nick Cage. I feel like I've never met you. You know, uh huh. Because this I is mean, this was actually mind. it was when I was like fourteen or fifteen. I was like, I don't watch movies. I went through a phase where it's like I just don't watch movies. I like read or I listen yeah, to music I'm just, or whatever. I'm so cool. Right? Exactly. Okay, explain to me. Except what... I watch the Pride and Prejudice BBC over and over again. Uh huh. So we really now see this, now we're back on track. I know. I'm like now we really we're back on track. We really see like Crispin emerging from middle school. Uh-huh. Trying to be cool with my friends to Crispin just being Crispin. Crispin being Crispin is where it's at. Mm-hmm. I watched that and I just feel like I have to mention this. Uh-huh. I also would watch A Walk to Remember over and over and just cry through it every now, did time. did you make me watch that movie? I think so. But in sort of a like tongue in cheek way, I hope. I was horrified <laughs> by A Walk to Remember. Let me tell you. And I could tell you were very into the music. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Switch foot. I mean, I totally had a crush on and Mandy I Moore. Lie, mm-hmm. I mean, that pray. That takes me back to listening to that on my Discman all the time. Yeah, you made me watch that movie and I mm. found it horrifying. But really quick, explain to me what Fast and the Furious is about. The first one. It's where they have to seal a bunch of cars yeah. like in one night. For no, why? actually, that's for what? For why? That's I think that's the plot line. Of, for who? I've gone in sixty seconds. It sounds like about family. I'm, yeah, I don't remember. When you hear your family. Yes, Olive I mean Garden. I only know that from the Universal Studios tour, <laughs> <laughs> which you just went on, and so you saw this out of the good place. Uh huh. I did. Yes. But all you care to talk about is the Fast and Furious part of the Universal l- Studios love, tram ride. I love that out of all of Universal Studios. Okay. My eight-year-old niece, uh-huh. her, her favorite part was the Fast and Furious <laughs> part of the studio tour. But I did go on the set. I tried to get pictures. I was on the wrong side of the tram, 
which is very sad, but it was wonderful to be there. I would have hopped off. Be on the set. And licked the ground. <laughs> and then hopped back out. Just kidding. I'm a cheaty. I would never do that. <laughs> yes. Okay. True. Okay. Stop talking about Fast and Furious. You, you. are <laughs> talking so much about Fast and Furious. And we have we to went move to along. Pride and Prejudice. We, we went to, to Walk on. to Remember. Okay. So this is the bad place. What What were some of the big picture issues or ethical concerns that you that you saw in this episode? Well, it's interesting because the question that comes up for me is. Like, Chidi obviously worries about the most ethical thing. Uh And we even see this in childhood. But he also just seems generally indecisive. Is it always about ethics for him? I'm not sure. But what I thought was really striking is that um, growing up in a fundamentalist religion, religious community, you did have a lot of these thoughts. But it was thoughts about, like, is this the right thing that God wants me to do? totally. Which is actually the opposite of Chidi, which is like, what implications will this have? Let me think through it. Now, they both have this scrupulosity to it. You mm-hmm. still get stuck. But I just thought that was like interesting. Like, I never was thinking about like, what are the implications? It was always like, does God want me to do this or not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're not just somebody who loves Fast and Furious, you're also a therapist. And not like you specialize in OCD or scrupulosity or anything like that. But. Do you want to just sort of say what moral scrupulosity is really quick? Um, I mean, I I would say like moral scrupulosity is um, when you have a concern about doing the right thing that causes you a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Or like anxiety, you know, most days of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting thing to talk about because both you and I grew up in white evangelicalism, which is like a high control religion. And we're taught that there is like one way to be a good person and one way to be in God's will. And that was taught mm. and that was taught to us over and over and over again. And so you're always trying to align yourself with God's will, with what the Bible says, with what your parents believe, with what your church says, with what your Bible college says. Like mm-hmm. I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't working very, very hard in my mind mm-hmm. to be a good person under the very explicit rules given to me. Now, for you, was it about following the rules or was it being in God's will? It was the one and the same. Okay. Because for me, it was definitely like being in God's will yes. in the sense like God had a specific idea of how my life should go. So when Michael and Chidi are talking and Michael's like, you made this bad decision, therefore it's messed up everything. Yeah. I was like, I remember having that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think... I think that moral scrupulosity is something that is starting to get talked about more. Sometimes it's called religious OCD or Mm -hmm. ethical OCD. And so when I watch this episode, I'm like, oh, Chidi has ethical OCD. Like, that's so apparent, Mm -hmm. especially going back to childhood, right? That's when we really see it. He's like, should I pick a girl or is that just pandering to gender politics like mm-hmm. you know he tries to pick the teacher just to get out of it yeah. and i'm like that is so relatable right and then mm-hmm. the ethical ramifications of soup right and then, like the soulmate thing plus he's had so many ethical issues arise that cause him actual torment and even mm-hmm. in this episode eleanor says something about chidi being tortured right mm-hmm. by these ethical considerations so i think a lot of people deal with anxiety about if they're making the right decision or not. But there's a difference between that and being like anguished and experiencing almost like torture like mm-hmm. symptoms, including 
not being able to see yourself being happy or able to experience pleasure in the present or the future. And, you know, extreme cases of OCD, including ethical OCD, they do lead to shortened lifespans. Mm -hmm. Like that amount of anxiety, you know, it's it's interesting. In this episode, Chidi dies supposedly from his ethical OCD Uh by just taking too long to decide where to eat, right? Mm -hmm. And gets hit on the head by an air conditioning unit. But the sad truth is, right, people with OCD, like their lives are not only shortened by the extreme stress that's can place on your body and your mind and also, you know, suicidal ideation, but just like being trapped in your own head all the time, like... That, I was thinking that's, about that's that. That's not really living, you know? I was thinking about that earlier. Like, Chidi is too in his head to have chemistry with anyone. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, so to me, this is sort of like a tender episode because mm-hmm. I have had a really hard time coming to terms with the reality that I have ethical OCD mm-hmm. because I think for the first part of my life, I was like, I'm just a really amazing Christian. I'm an evangelical Christian who is communing with God in my head at all times. And so for me, I just naturally made up the rules. Mm-hmm. And so even like, it's funny because this episode's about soulmates. I made, I had these rules, right? Like I am here to follow God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a missionary because everybody is going to hell and I can't. And so like, I had these rules, like I can't ever look at anybody romantically because I have to move overseas and be a missionary. Nobody's going to want to do that. And so I just made up these rules, right? Like, mm-hmm. nope, I can't even look at anyone to right. date them. And mm-hmm. that sounds like funny. And I've always told that as a funny story. But looking back, it's like, well, that's kind of sad. Like, mm-hmm. that really limited my able, you know, being able to engage with people on deeper levels and be vulnerable. And, you know, I don't think any of my friends really had any clue about what was going on in my head, like in high Uh school. I was definitely trapped in a lot of ethical OCD stuff. Mm -hmm. Then later on in my life, even as the Christianity thing started to kind of just fade a little bit, Mm -hmm. I then found another framework Mm -hmm. that would help me create a bunch of rules Mm -hmm. to help me know if I was a good person or not that I could check in with constantly. And that was activism. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think those are two really common places where people with ethical OCD, like the OCD can like thrive without a ton of suspicion. And Chidi kind of shows how that also is true in like philosophy departments. Right. Well, I was going to say as a therapist in in Portland, Oregon, I see this with like uh, people that really care about the environment, which I think is really important. But like getting to that point where it's like there's a lot of anguish about like what decisions they're making. Yes. And I think that this... There's something about uh, that environmental activism Mm -hmm. and also evangelicalism. And I'm not saying that, you know, people will say, like, you have fundamentalists on both sides. I do not mean that at all. But what I think can happen is we have this um, outsized idea of our importance in the world sometimes. I think in evangelicalism, it does. It feels like the decisions I make have these cosmic, you know, uh, cosmic consequences. That's what I, we're told. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, thinking, we think about environmentalism, it is really important that we are taking action. Also, one person taking action is not going to stop climate change. And so, like, how do you live in that tension and recognize, like, my decisions matter and they yeah. also don't matter that much. Like, and I don't know where that is, but 
in ethical OCD, mm-hmm. you're like, they matter so much that I need to anguish over it. And it's so hard mm-hmm. because I think if you are that person, you also have some like passionate ideals and values you do care about. So when other people are like, well, just let it go. Don't care about it. You're like, but that doesn't compute. I can't just not care about this. Yes. So it makes it really hard to recognize it. Like you said, it's like, well, I'm just someone that is like really Christian or I really care about these values. And that might be true, but also how can you recognize like, but if I'm anguishing in my head all the time about it, like maybe there's this value I have that is also connected to moral scrupulosity. Yeah. And I think that's why it was, it took me so long to come to terms with the fact that I had ethical OCD because I was like, I, it can't be that because this is like who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like my therapist was sort of saying like, everything I'm actually passionate about is just my brain, mm-hmm. like trying to hurt me. And that, But instead it's like, no, OCD just can latch onto the things you actually value and just spin it out into mm-hmm. this thing where you're trapped inside these thought ruminations. Um, and it's really a form of self-harm, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why people who develop OCD usually have some sort of trauma in their background or something like that, you know? that it can just manifest as this anxiety that kind of harms you over and over again. But if it's the inward kind of OCD, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we're all used to like the flicking the light bulb kind. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like ethical OCD, moral scrupulosity, they really go under the radar for most people because it's inward. And if you're in these certain environments, it's actually praised. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you, if so, I've written a freaking biography of Dorothy Day, who's, you know, in mm-hmm. the, process of being becoming a canonized saint i read several you know biographies of people who are canonized saints i think of simone Weil. i think of kierkegaard like all these people who wrote these important ethical mm-hmm. books who who died young i mean dorothy day didn't die young but she experienced a lot of anguish in her life and basically learned to chill out a bit um mm-hmm. but like kierkegaard simone Weil, it's like martin luther <sighs> i mean if we look Back throughout history, usually, I mean, so many saints, I think, so many religious figures. Also, I mean, you know, like we can think of like, um, you know, activists that are really famous currently that you're like, yeah, you know, it's hard to tell. Like, I don't know the inside of their mind, but like, which is so hard because it's like you're doing really important work and at what cost to you. And again, coming back to the show, we see that with Chidi. Like we see what is the cost of living there all the time. Right. And so I think it's not like I have any like way to tie this up with a bow, except to say that I am like actively working on identifying the ethical OCD that I've sort of lived with my whole life. And Mm -hmm. it has truly impacted like every element of my life. And uh, through, you know, a therapist and a doctor just being able to up my anxiety meds and sort of gain some clarity around that just even really recently. And I just want to say, like, if you're somebody who identifies with Chidi and if you're somebody who struggles to envision a future for yourself where you can be happy or experience pleasure, like, you deserve to get help. And that is not how most people are living and is not how you need to live. Mm -hmm. Mine is so, you know, centered on if I'm a good or bad person. And that's actually at the root of lots of OCD. Mm -hmm. And it just manifests in different ways for different people. Now I'm also autistic, 
and autistic people have higher rates of developing OCD. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that, though. There is a potentially genetic component. We are talking to a lot of people that are coming out of evangelicalism, Mm -hmm. which means that your parents were very drawn to some rigidity. Yes. So in my mind, I'm like, we are like, if you are listening to this, (laughs) if you're listening to this, you are maybe not it doesn't mean that you are neurodivergent in any way in terms of like autistic or OCD, but um, you know, the sample size we're talking to probably has higher rates of OCD type thoughts, uh, like thought patterns um, than the general public. Yeah, so no, I totally agree. So that was kind of like the big thing I had. I think the minor ethical thing I saw in this episode was in the beginning when Tahani, you know, was talking to Jason and being like, how did you even get in here? Like, and I'm just like, oh, that's Tahani's worldview crumbling, Uh right? Like, that is when we start to see Tahani be like, how did, how are all these people getting in here? This is how it's supposed to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And we see it through Chidi's eyes, but also Tahani, who definitely does not have ethical OCD, but is trying to prove she's a good person in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was so interesting. And she continues to be one of the most interesting characters to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Sometimes she has some real church lady vibes. Tahani? Yes. Yes. Right? I mean, totally. How did you get in here? Like, who who let these, uh, what does she call it? She, she calls Eleanor a charlatan <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Which is exactly. like a British church lady term. Exactly. Exactly. Um... So you might have religious trauma if... Sorry, I, I took it over. No, good. Do it. Um, I was... You might have religious trauma if you thought that every choice you made had to fit into a system. And we kind of talked about this earlier, but I was thinking about... Uh, you and I were talking about um, religious communities, how everything has to fit into this one logical analytical thought system Uh and you have to make everything fit in which reminds me this episode reminded me of that um and just all the like ways that you end up kind of like going in thought circles trying to make everything fit together in a way that makes sense yeah i love it okay mine is you might have religious trauma if the idea of you having one perfect person that god wanted you to marry was a big stressor in your adolescent and young adult life. Okay? Think about the amount of pressure we had. Uh-huh. Not only could we not have sex, we couldn't even date. Because you and I grew up in the Josh Harris, I kissed dating goodbye era. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't kiss really without feeling guilty. Like, and, and so I took it to the extreme of like, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, right? And mm-hmm. I have a call from God on my life to be a leader, but I'm a woman. And so I can't be under the, a man because of the patriarchy. So I need to be single. So I can't look like, and I think you had the opposite where you're just like, are you my soulmate? Are you my soulmate? (laughs) Does God want me to marry you? And so like we both went opposite extremes with that pressure. Uh Um, But I was just like, in this, in these rules, Mm -hmm. I can't be with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, because of how the patriarchy set up. Uh, mm-hmm. But you did it the opposite way. Was it kind of traumatic for you? <laughs> yes. Think, trying to find a soulmate yeah, everywhere? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've talked about this before, about going on the mission trip 
and staying up all night because there were ticks everywhere and then waking up at 4 a.m. and going on a walk and God being like, this is who you're going to marry. And I didn't end up marrying them. But that was on my mind all the time. Yeah. And always looking for signs, looking for like, uh-huh. yeah, all that. How come you were not like that with me? I had uh, given up on, actually I'd given up on a lot of Christianity yeah, you had. stuff by the time that you and I met. Uh-huh. I was I was like 50% like this is bullshit. Oh, well, I think that saved you, bud. Mm-hmm. I think that saved you. Mm-hmm. If you had come to me with that soulmate bullshit, I would have uh, ran away. Mm-hmm. But instead you just weaseled your way in there. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I like we talked about marriage. Within the first year. Well, based on everything I just said. Yes. Don't you think it's clear? Uh huh. So here's how Crispin slipped through the cracks, listeners. Are you ready to hear this? (laughs) He was a missionary kid. So I was like, oh, that means he will want to be a missionary with me. So Mm -hmm. I put down my guard, let this cute little hairy boy in. And I also thought he told me, he kind of lied and said he was older than he was. Um, I said I was almost 20 when it was like nine months away. Okay. And so, you were 22. So he lied. And <laughs> that's basically all it was. Um, yeah. And then and it worked are. out. Right. Here we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you actually believe in soulmates or twin flames or, or whatever? No. Then how do you explain us? Uh, I don't believe in it for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's like hard to to say it in a way that I'm like I think we have a really good similar temperament. There are just so many things I appreciate about you. I think we've also like each done our work, yes. but I also think I don't want to say like if you have a bad relationship it doesn't mean you haven't done the work. Right. So I want to throw that out there too, but I do think that that is. But it's nice that both of us are doing the work at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's really helpful. Yeah, right. Um, And yeah, we just, I mean, I think the things, it's funny because as you've gone through this deconstruction the last couple of years, you're like, you know, who am I if I'm not a Christian, if I'm not an activist, blah, blah, blah. Who am I if I have ethical OCD? Like, that's a wildly huge question for me. And here's what I've been telling you is like, I have always, what I've always been drawn to is not those things about you. I love your intensity and your passion. Yeah. But it's been your creativity, your, just the way you think about things, like the little pleasures you take in life. Like when we were first dating, you just had all these rituals. Yeah. That like, you know, like reading the paper on Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and like just all these things. And I just like loved that, you know? And so I feel like those things about you have not changed. Yeah. I think what's hard is when my OCD gets worse, those things go away. Mm. And so that's kind of a new litmus test for me is like, am I able to do silly little things just for pleasure, just for me that don't have any bearing on if I'm a good or bad person? And and so, you know, going back to Chidi, it's like as he sort of heals and addresses some of his ethical OCD throughout the seasons, we see him becoming a, a more fuller human, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so anyways. Okay, uh, fun facts. Let's hear them. Okay. Okay. Well, I already did one of them, which was wrong, because you have watched Fast and Furious movie. Another fun <laughs> fact is 
I don't think when I first watched this show, I knew who Ariana Grande was. Did you? <laughs> I, I can't remember, but I did love that part because of how he's talking to her. Yes. Okay. This is not that fun of a fact, but when Michael's like looking through all these books of ethics, there's like this huge encyclopedia set that says universal code of ethics. And I love how that was just there to mm. continue to torture Chidi. Okay. This episode was written by Demi Adijuibe, and uh, he co-hosted a popular podcast with friend of the show, Kevin T. Porter, called The Gilmore Guys Podcast. Oh. You probably don't know about any of this. No, I I vaguely have memories of people talking about the, this and everything, so I, I'm tracking. Okay, so Gilmore wow. Guys, Demi and Kevin, you know, uh-huh. they watched Gilmore Girls and talked about it. And a part of me is like, you would probably love this podcast, Crispin. Because, mm-hmm. again, in our relationship, one of us has watched Gilmore Girls and one of us has it. You can take <laughs> right. a wild guess at who that is. So maybe, you know, early Christmas presents to you, you can oh. go back and... Listen mm-hmm. to all these episodes, okay? Uh, so yeah, we're basically almost know somebody who connected wrote to the good an place. episode of the Good Place. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that's amazing? That's a much better connection than um, that Mark Evan Jackson was on Adventures in Odyssey. Yes. Yeah, so, so now we have two tenuous connections <laughs> right. to the Good Place. Mm-hmm. I was also on a podcast called Joe's Boys, where. <laughs> The host maybe was given a tour of Louisa May Alcott's childhood home by Mike Shore's mother. Okay? <laughs> We're just racking up the connections. So that's the other connection. Okay. Okay. Oh, the reason we know Kevin T. Porter is because he has, like, another podcast called Good Christian Fun, making fun of growing up in white evangelicalism. Similar to us, except he's- With, like, ten times the energy. And I was going to say, and he's like a comedian. He's yes. actually, mm-hmm. and, and Caroline, his co-host, is amazing. So I remember when I was on that uh-huh. podcast yeah. like a year and a half ago, and I was like, because you all know me, I don't have a lot of energy. And this is like a, you got to show up like full, like yeah. improv sort of. Were you of, super sweaty? I was. Yeah. It was the most energy. I loved it, but it was the most energy I've ever expended in a podcast interview. Should I tell my embarrassing Kevin T. Porter story right yes. now? Uh-huh. If anybody doesn't think I'm autistic, I believe after the story, <laughs> you will know that I am. Okay, so Kevin was in p- town, Portland, and he asked to hang out. So we, I was like, let's meet up at this place that's cool. McManaman's right by us. We had a meal outside. You know, we're sort of coming out of COVID times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was awkward as all get out as mm-hmm. I can be mm-hmm. in social situations when I'm not with Crispin. I'm even awkward when you're around, too, but at least you're also awkward. I am also awkward. Kevin's not that awkward of a person, okay? Mm -hmm. He's like L.A., he knows how to talk to people, whatever. I texted you while I was eating with Kevin, because you were at home watching the kids, like a good partner. And what did I text you? I forget. Something like, it's not as bad as I thought. Was that what you said? Something like that. Uh Uh-huh. Like, this is going better than I anticipated. This is going better than I anticipated. Well, (laughs) I texted Kevin that. (laughs) And so he was just like, well, I'm glad, I guess. And then he never contacted me again after that uh, Mm. awkward lunch. Mm. I'm sure he's still friends with the show. But I was like, wow. (laughs) Wow. Way to try and be a wow. person in the world uh-huh. didn't go great. 
Okay, those are my fun facts, Crispin. Someday we will have to off to share my similar story of accidentally texting the mega church pastor. Oh my god, that's an even better story. Yes, we have to save that. Yes. Oh, this is okay. No, okay, we have to save that. Okay, so uh this is the good place. Wait, listener questions. Oh we didn't have any, but y'all should send some. I maybe it's because people know that they can buy your keychains on your website now. Well, they couldn't until they were sold out. Yes. But you're doing more stuff, right? I'm selling stuff, weird right? shit at dlmayfield.com if uh-huh. anybody wants to get in on this. Yes. If you want a sweatshirt that says uh, being trans is not a sin, but being transphobic is. Or, or lukewarm, Jesus spitting you out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be making some more strong-willed merch. And I've been making zines, mm-hmm. uh, which is really fun to accompany my book, The Myth of the American Dream, which I wrote seven years ago. Just like the good place. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! So yeah, you guys can go there. But I think no... actually you you started writing it seven years yes. ago. Yes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Started yeah. writing it. Mm-hmm. I wrote it for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was published in 2020, but that doesn't mean I wrote it in 2020. So. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Nobody's sending any questions, so nobody gets cool merch from me <laughs> until they start sending in some more questions. Yep. Okay. You did it. You said, I said, we don't have listener questions. And you're and like, I said, well, I'm going to yell at everybody. Yep. <laughs> As a reminder, if you're awkward, you can just email the question. Because mm-hmm. I, I get the anxiety mm-hmm. of the leaving a voicemail. If, yep. as if, if the Kevin T. Porter story didn't already show that. I get very awkward <laughs> talking to people. So right. we get that. Okay. What is giving you hope in humanity these days? Um... So just thinking about uh, the British TV uh, focus in this, uh, the show Taskmaster. Yes. I've just been loving this season. I'm sure that a few of you know this and many of you don't. If you YouTube Taskmaster, it Uh is a weird British game show that features comedians. And it's great. Yeah. And this season, Sam Campbell is on it. And he is a revelation Mm -hmm. and a delight. Mm -hmm. We're really enjoying him. And our 13-year-old knows him because... Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Yeah, he's like a writer for Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, which is a big phenomenon. And I don't get it. And it seems depressing. But also Sue Perkins... Oh, yeah, Supreme's! Great British Bake Off fame is yeah. on this season. This is a great season it to is. start with. So, yeah, it's free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, anybody can watch it. Yes. Highly recommend. Excellent How about suggestion. You? Okay. Well, I believe I had one of the best bagel sandwiches of my life yesterday. And I could just feel, like, I could just feel my sense that everything was going to be okay. You got to shout out where, because we have a listener that works there. <gasps> okay, so it's at Legacy Coffee, which is in Gresham, Oregon. And I've run into multiple people there who listen to our podcast. <laughs> so I so listen- shout out to them. And they make the best coffee, the best chai. And now I'm aware that they make the best bagel sandwiches ever. So that made me feel really good. It's like we're kind of regulars at a coffee shop now. Mm-hmm. Is that nice? Yeah, and our friend is. Brad owns it, and he's amazing. It's and... so nice to have an alternative to. I mean, it's it, oh yeah, we're le- boycotting Starbucks. Let's make that clear. Oh yes, that's true. Legacy stands on its own. I will yes. say that, but it's so nice that we don't have to go to Cafe Delirium, which is the Christian coffee shop where everybody's always doing Bible studies. You are throwing shade at Cafe Delirium right now. I I do it any chance I can. I love it. That's the other coffee shop. 
in downtown Gresham. Yes, I'm always like, you can go to the Bible. You want to hear some one. old men talking loudly about God's will? Well, go to Cafe Delirium. Okay. Yeah. If you want an inclusive space, yeah, that has lots of not lots, but that has uh, that regularly promotes pride events and Ted Lasso quotes. Go legacy. to Legacy. Legacy Coffee. You might see <laughs> me like... or, you might see me or Crispin there, and you might see Crispin crying because one of the times we went there recently, you were crying. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. <laughs> In front of the baristas who listen to our podcast. Yes. It's great. So great. Life is going great. No, it's just really normal to cry sometimes. Crying also, is great. I mean, part of it was that the owner, or I mean, part of it is the person that runs it is a friend of ours. And when I saw him, I had been having a rough time and I started crying. Yes, I know. Okay. Uh, those are, it's a great place to, to end. Okay. I have nothing else to say. I'm so bad at wrapping things up, but thanks for listening. We have three more episodes. I can't believe it. Is everybody getting ready for episode 13? Things seem to be moving much quicker. Jason and Janet are married. I did not know that happened so early Me in neither. this in I was the shocked. series. It was great. And we still have Sean. Sean's coming, y'all. Yes. I think Sean probably comes next episode. I hope but, so. But who knows? I bet Sean, here's my guess. Sean will show up in the last scene of the next episode. Okay. If we'll- you're right, then I will stop talking about you crying at Legacy Coffee Shop <laughs> to people. Okay? Okay. And if you win. Uh-huh. If I'm wrong. Yeah, if you're wrong. Then you're going to keep talking about it? No. You have to come up with another option. If you win, then uh, I'm so bad at on the on the spot. I, I will edit this part out. Um, Don't uh, edit this out. <laughs> you're, you're experiencing a cheating moment right yeah. now. Yes, you I hate am. being put on this spot. Right. So I'm like, what much. is what's the perfect thing to say? Okay, if 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 Sean is, you know, not at the end and is at some point to okay, well, if Sean isn't at the end, then I will buy you a coffee at Legacy Coffee. Thanks, hey. sugar daddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> I would rather you buy me a bagel sandwich there. Okay. Is that okay? Yes, let's do it. That's a perfect plan. Thanks for listening, y'all, and we'll catch you next time. Take it easy. This has been an episode of This is the Bad Place, a special season of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram by searching Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. You can find us on the web at propheticimaginationstation.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 503-912-4130 or record a voice memo and send it to propheticimaginationstation at gmail.com. Join our Patreon community to hear two extra episodes a month and join our Facebook group to discuss episodes and more. And we hope you'll join us next time in the bad place. (laughs) 